Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. show it is friday that means there is a football weekend upon us and if it feels anything like last weekend did oh we're back college football is truly back ari wasserman joining me as he does every friday ari how different did last saturday feel i thought that it was the first weekend where college football was truly back and i know that we're still waiting on a few power five conferences but like the games were good there were upsets um, it was entertaining. You could see a lot of the young players that everybody's excited to see. Um, you know, I truly felt like last week was a true, full college football viewing experience. And I, like, even though there were teams missing, I didn't really necessarily feel that. Now it's going to be great when the Big Ten and, and eventually the Pac-12 come back, and you have some of those other conferences in the mix. But like the SEC playing SEC games, like I mean, it's truly really all I need <laughs> uh, to feel that it, way. It, it is sort of a straight into your veins experience, and I, I had. Somebody in my mailbag say, I, I live out in California, so I don't watch much SEC network. Uh, you know, usually watch the, the, uh, the CBS and the ESPN games. But what's up with the commercials? They're like, there were three straight commercials for Bratwurst. And I'm like, well, look, people like to eat. I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I mean, I've seen worse commercials than Bratwurst. So, um, you know, I don't know. Are the SEC networks... Um, Johnsonville is a big sponsor, I believe, of, of the SEC. I believe yeah. they're a commercial partner or whatever they call them. And there's a couple banks in there. And, and you get your – I don't know if Belk's still doing it. Belk, Belk was the one. That's where you go to get your, your fine seersucker and whatnot. They did sponsor a bowl game, but now that bowl game is sponsored yeah. by mayonnaise. Yeah, well, which is a better sponsor because it's your favorite condiment. But, like, I'm not, like, advanced enough yet in my uh, world – to have like nine TVs going at the same time like some people do. And like I really want to get to that point in my life where I have the room and the ability to do that. So like when there are commercials, um, I am like usually surfing. I got my screen going on my phone. I've got the screen going on the computer sometimes. But if there's a commercial, I'm already off to the other game since there's like 50 games on at the same time. Trying my best to soak up as much of the sport as I can. See, that's what I I struggle with because I'll I'll set things up when I'm at home. Uh, I'll put... I'll move my TV from the office into the living room. So I'll have two TVs and then I'll have my iPad and I'll have my phone and I'll have my laptop. So conceivably I could have five screens going at once, but I just can't focus. I find it very difficult to focus. And uh, I have, you know, I have a game that I I decide that game deserves to have the sound on. And and there's only one game that gets that honor. But if I take the sound off of that, then I wouldn't focus on any of them. Yeah, I. Uh, what was the game last week that had your sound on? Because I like was focused most on the Kentucky Auburn game. And well, then so I was at Kentucky Auburn, so I, I only had one screen going there. Well, I, I had the <laughs> field of vision out of my eyes, and then I, I was I was glancing down occasionally to watch uh, 
Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Florida Ole Miss. But for the most part, I had to focus on the game I was at. And then once I got back to the hotel room, LSU Mississippi State had the sound on. But then when that became when the outcome of that game became apparent, I went to Texas and Texas Tech, which Texas not back yet, though Sam Ellinger very good in the clutch. In the middle of the game, I said, I'm never saying Texas is back ever again. And then I said it five minutes later. That was, she did. Yeah, that, I mean, Texas is back. Are they not back? Like, are they, like, right now in week two, they are the team in the Big 12 with the best chance of making the playoff. They had a resilient comeback, large they portion. They performed slightly better than Houston Baptist against Texas Tech, if we're, if we're really being honest here. Yeah, yeah, but they, um, I thought that they had the elements of resiliency and the quarterback play to be just impressive enough in a really bad basically lost situation to kind of be like well if they could survive that then maybe this team can figure something out and get going because like I like I think Ellinger I don't know would you call him underrated I think he might be one of the more underrated quarterbacks in college football just because he's been around a lot and I think he kind of is what he is but I do think that like he he's reliable and makes plays and I thought he he showed um pretty good grit there like I was very impressed with the fact that Texas was able to come back in that game I think Ellinger's pretty accurately rated I think people realize he's a pretty good quarterback he can get you yards through the air he can get get you what you need on the ground when you need it Uh, if you've ever met him in person he has the thighs of a defensive tackle and you know he he's he's a good quarterback that's not their problem I mean offensively they look pretty good so they've got to figure up you know figure out the defense before they play Oklahoma next week but it was really interesting watching that because I do think that's a game Texas loses the last few years. Right. Maybe maybe the last like eight, nine years that's a game Texas loses. <laughs> and they didn't. They they found a way and they came back. And I, I in most seasons, I mean like 95 Nebraska is the exception maybe. But in most seasons, there's a tough game for really good teams. And they got it out and – should have lost it, but ended up winning. It was ugly. So maybe that's that game for Texas. I mean, you think about those those Maryland losses a couple of years ago. Like that's not the sort of thing that this Texas team well would let happen. It felt like a Maryland game for a large it portion did. of the game. Yeah, and I was like, oh god, here we go again. So like the fact that they came back. Like I don't want to give too much credit to a team for coming back when they shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with. But I also think based on the recent and maybe long-term history of the Texas program, at least under Tom Herman, that this was a nice move um, from the norm. And like in a year where things are going weird, as you and Nicole Auerbach kept saying on your, your show earlier the week, it's a pandemic. It is a pandemic. And like the fact now that they have a manageable week two game um, where they can kind of get back into – the flow of what they probably want to do. Like I have a, I have a feeling that Texas might be there at the end. So um, maybe I'm just a fool and they're going to lose because that's Texas is continually like making me sound like an idiot because I um, give too much credence to the Star Matter uh, Matters Bible of mine. Um, but they have too much talent and like I, they I, have a they maybe have s- maybe stars don't matter in the Lone Star State. I don't know. Maybe Lone is that stars? Because A and M can A and M has some of the same issues. Yeah. No, I know A and M is. What are the th- the two biggest uh, exceptions that maybe outside of Clemson, who actually was the other way because they were successful without the same type of stars? But like two of the three, the three biggest ones in college football right now are Texas, USC, and A and M, and two of them are in Texas. So like that, maybe you're onto something there. I don't know. Maybe the state is too big to adequately 
uh, evaluate the right way or if the levels are different. I don't I don't know what the thing is, but like they they've got good players. Like I don't know if anybody would dispute <laughs> right. that. Right. They the ones who leave sometimes turn out really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you if you have to leave the borders of the state and suddenly your powers become unlocked. Before we move on from Texas, I do want to point this out because this is this is something that we will mention a little bit during this show because we're a little bit later now much later after we talk football we're going to rank crackers and i know that's what most of you've been waiting all week for that's what i've been waiting all week for well it's it's a big i mean there probably will be yelling screaming but it's okay we're going to talk gambling over-unders point spreads that sort of thing and one of the things about that is historical records do tend to matter whether or not this specific team fits into the the mold of the last few or not is another story, but history does tend to matter in gambling. So I will point out Texas and TCU, Ari, who do you think has won five of the last six games in that series? Well, based on you asking that question, I think TCU won <laughs> five That's out exactly of the last right. six. So, so yeah, TCU has won five of the last six. They've won six of the last eight. And, so that's basically since joining the Big 12, they, they've won six of eight. It is really shocking when you look at it like that, that Texas has this massive recruiting advantage, that TCU is you know, constantly mining the players that, that Texas and A&M didn't want and beating them regularly, which I think is a sign of the problem with Texas. But you know, the, the thing is, this is a chance for Texas to prove that this is a different Texas team, that, that it's not going to be like that anymore. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're laying 11 and a half. And I don't know if this is like a, a bigger story that I should work on and like has been on my radar for a while, but let me like move it to California for a minute. California is a very talent rich state, but it is like the feeding ground for the entire conference. Plus now you add in or the entire PAC 12 conference. And now you add in places like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Texas to a certain extent. California is being spread really thin in terms of like what they're they're doing uh, as a feeding ground for these programs. And I'm starting to wonder too now, like if Texas is kind of the same thing because you have Alabama and Texas, you've got the Florida teams in Texas. Well, oh, look at look at Ohio State. Didn't they take they took they Okuda took and, four and of the J.K. Top Dobbins six. out of Texas the same year? Yeah. Four out of the top six players out of Texas, I think, went to Ohio State in the single class. So like they're in here pretty pretty regularly too. And it's just like I'm wondering if Texas isn't getting the cream of the crop player, uh if they're not signing eight of the top ten, like I think they could if they were really on the ball. Uh I wonder if that's part of the reason why we're seeing some of the parity in the Big 12 and in the Tech, because like the entire Big 12 feeds off Texas. And like if TCU beat them six out of the last eight years, obviously there's something not adding up with Texas and the amount of talent, because there's no question they get the best uh, players for the most part. I, I think there may be an evaluation issue. Yes. They need, a, they need a little more Clemson in them. I mean, we, we talk about this a lot where the Clemson coaches, yes, they are great at convincing the Deshaun Watsons and the Christian Wilkins and the DJ Uwe Ungalales to come, and the Trevor Lawrences. But they're also great at spotting Isaiah Simmons when Which is very State important. doesn't want him. <laughs> and the thing that I think is interesting, and bear with me, Andy, because I want to plug something. And it, it, it's, uh, it's actually like was an accident. I wasn't planning it. But I wrote a story on The Athletic on Thursday about the five programs that have the highest uh, uphill battle to signing a, a good class based on geography, 
admission standards and all the things that you you would think. But I'm going to do next month the five easiest places to recruit. And I think you could make a case that Texas is number one, which is like what makes it this like be. which which make this conversation so much more eye opening. Like Texas has so many athletes at their disposal that they can be choosing from. And if you're just going off the list of the top 15 players and you think they should get seven out of those top 15, it's like, that's good. And it, it puts them in a position where um, they're going to compete the way they've been com- competing in, in the sense of winning eight, nine, 10 games every year. But I think it's the evaluations from player like 25 to 50 in Texas that Texas has to be very good at. And I don't know like what the numbers are in terms of where their best players from their own state have been ranked in the past, but I wonder if there's a deficiency there in terms of like, yeah, they get the top three or four players out of Texas that they want every year. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get smoked. But when they aren't smoked, are they – or either way, whether they're smoked or they're not, do they get the right players in Texas as the complementary pieces? Like you see, you see Florida and Florida State taking these guys that are middle-of-the-road three-star prospects that are getting – recruited elsewhere and it's like why are they taking them and then three years later they believe in them they like right. them yeah and I don't know and I'm not saying that Texas hasn't done a good job of that I'm just wondering if they have a if they're recruiting the state the proper way because if they're recruiting the state the right way they should be the king of the big 12 like there's and, and again I understand that Oklahoma and Norman is like a short drive away from Dallas and that it's a very easy place to recruit to if you're Oklahoma but like shouldn't they be the number one team in the Big 12 going away, no problem? Like, yeah. it's kind of weird. It's well, and, and what you just described it, in the Florida example of that is the Xavier Rhodes story. Xavier Rhodes, is, uh, you know, started out as a three. So he may have wind up, wound up rising to a four-star guy. But he was a guy that was a receiver in high school. Jimbo Fisher really liked him but liked him as a corner. And basically just kind of sat on him and hoped nobody found him. And... That some other schools did, obviously, because they, they could see the athleticism. But this is when Jimbo was really riding high at Florida State, and they were getting top 10 classes every single year. And here was this guy who didn't seem to fit the profile, but they just believed in him. And it, it does feel like you don't see it that that often in Texas classes or in A&M classes. Like, the last A&M guy like that was maybe Jay Sternberger in, in Jimbo's first year, which was a deal where J- Damian Craig went to a JUCO, saw this guy, and was like, hey, you know, he could be really good, and, and kind of stood on the table for him. So I, I do wonder about that with Texas and with Texas A&M to basically the same extent because I, I think both of them should be very good. Both of the, 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 the state is big enough for both of them to be awesome at the same time. It's sort of like Florida produce, produces enough talent for Florida, Florida State, and Miami to be good at the same time, and there were times when they were. Texas is even bigger, so it should conceivably be able to do that. I just recently moved here um, two months ago, and like living in the Dallas area, it kind of like gives you a perspective of like how each um, part of Texas almost feels like a different state. So it's a large state, but it's like I've always found it very interesting that you could be in El Paso and feel like you're in the middle of the desert by the Mexico border, and then like. Eight hours later, you're still in Texas and in a different part of Texas. So, like, I understand that well, it's a yeah. I mean, you drive two hours east on I twenty from where you are now, and you are you're in you're still in Texas, but you are in the deep south. Yeah, yeah, it's and like, it's a very different feel. It's a very different feel, and I wonder how hard it is for these schools to 
present themselves. Like, there's no school in the country that has a talent-rich state like this, the way Texas does, but A, it has to share it with five other, six other programs. Everybody's coming into this state, and it's the a schools in North era. Carolina are like, yeah, we don't know how that feels. Oh, wait, we have one-eighth the talent. And, and, <laughs> and everybody's still there. Five or four power five programs. Yeah, so, but I don't know, like, can Texas recruit uh, Amarillo the same way that they would be able to recruit Austin or other major metropolitan areas like Houston and Dallas? So, because they seem like different places sometimes. And, you know, maybe the best players are usually in the major metropolitan area, so it's a moot point. But, you know, the thing with Texas A&M that I, I kind of, you know, give them slack for is that they're the 10th most talented team in college football, but they are the uh, fifth most talented team in their own conference, according to the the, the, right. the, the team talent we, composite. We got so, into this with the Mike yeah. Leach discussion last week where it's a, this is the best team he's ever coached. It's still the ninth most talented team in the SEC, according to 24-7. Yeah, yeah, right. So, like, Texas is the fifth most talented team in college football, and the only other team in the Big 12 that's in the top 15 is Oklahoma at number eight. So, like, Texas should be in a position that it's it's competing for a playoff spot every year, owning that rivalry and, and doing what it needs to do. And I, I don't really know, like, what the actual – what's the answer? Like, from people who cover Texas have paid very close attention, like, what is not adding up there? Because – I covered Tom Herman. I saw what he did with Cardale Jones. They won a national championship with his ability to develop quarterbacks. And, like, I always felt he was destined to be a very good head coach. And at a certain point, Ohio State really would have thought that he would be the perfect coach in waiting for Urban Meyer before he left for Houston. And Ryan Day ended up taking that that job and that position, obviously. But, like, what is going on? Because three losses, losing to Maryland, there's no way – Maryland can't compete in the Big Ten. I have no business beating Texas in any year, let alone the way that they have. I, I just – what's the diagnosis here? I, well, that's that's the issue, and I think if, if somebody could figure that out, they'd make a lot of money because Texas has a lot of money to spend, and they, they've spent it in a lot of different ways and not gotten any results out of it. I, I almost wondered if it was the place. I remember when the Herman staff got there, somebody told me about the the situation involving – they have a uh, kind of a shed – where the players go during practice to get out of the sun and to drink water and, and whatever. And so this shed is on the top of a little hill that goes down toward the sideline. And when the players would drink all their water, the water would, would slosh down and would go down to the bottom of this hill and would create this mud pit on their sideline. And they, you know, it was just muddy and slick and everything. And so they asked, can we get some AstroTurf? Put, or field turf or whatever, put in in this one little strip. And it took months and months and months and months and months and months and months. And that reminded me of other stories I heard from Texas where it was just this massive bureaucracy and nothing was ever easy. And so I started to wonder, okay, maybe is it the place? But then Chris Delcani comes in and he has really stripped down the layers of that bureaucracy. He has made sure that Tom Herman has what he needs. So... Is it the place? I, I don't know. It, it just it doesn't make any sense, you know. We, and we've talked about A and M why that doesn't make sense. But the Texas thing, they have had success recently. They won a national title. I know it's fifteen years ago, and I realize it's eleven years ago that they last won the Big Twelve. But that's at least in most players' lifetimes, you know, that, that are playing now. A and M's never had that. So we, I, I think there's just some sort of like voodoo thing going on there. 
But with Texas, I just don't understand what the hangup is. And I've, I've tried to ask a bunch of people, and, and, and it's one of those things, if you ask the people at Texas, they will say, if you could figure this out, we'd hire you to be our consultant. Like, or we you can't def- figure it out either. Deeply offend them. <laughs> I mean, there's either way. I, I, what do you think? I mean, this is a completely different tangent, but like, if you had to pick what your top three jobs in college football are at a certain point, I don't even know if this is the case anymore, but like Texas would be in the top three every time, right? We were it, always- well, yeah, I did, I did a ranking like that, I want to say in 2012, and I, I think I had Texas number one or number two. I think I had it number one. I, I've since, I think it was 2000, it was, I know it was 2015 that I decided Georgia was the best job in college football because I remember going on Feinbaum and saying that and people going nuts and because I said, this is the best job in college football. If they're not winning the SEC East this year, they need to ask some very hard questions. And, and people are like, how could you say it's not the best job in college? But I showed them. Proximity to Atlanta probably is number one, right? I, well, I showed them the, basically the fact that the state of Georgia had surpassed California in Power 5 talent produced. And the dynamics of, of Georgia are much more similar to Ohio, where there's one school in the state that kind of rules them all. There is Georgia Tech, but there's not, like if you're walking around a high school in the state of Georgia, the chances are that you go to the English teacher's class, the math teacher's class, and the guidance counselor's office. Georgia flags hanging everywhere. There's Georgia flags everywhere. Now, now the difference with Georgia is there's going to be some Auburn in there, there's going to be some Florida in there, uh, maybe some Tennessee, just because of the border states and people, people coming over. But most kids who grow up in Georgia want to be Bulldogs. And so that's why I thought it was the best job because you had that dynamic going on and they were now the third biggest producer of Power 5 talent in the country behind Florida and Texas. So that's why I thought that was number one. And Texas kept dropping for me, Ari, for all those bureaucratic reasons. Like, it just seems like it's harder (laughs) to, to get what you need done at Texas than it is at Alabama. And like... One thing in Alabama, I know Nick Saban came in and and had a bunch of stuff that he asked for and knew he could get it because they had basically said, we're not leaving without you. You're going to leave the Dolphins. You're going to come coach for us. And so I think he knew at that point he was going to get whatever he asked for. I don't think that's the case at most schools. Everybody thinks that Ryan Day can have whatever he wants at Ohio State. I don't know that he can. Yeah, I think that the accessibility from – I mean, Urban Meyer used to say this all the time about, like, how blessed he was to have an athletic director who listened to their needs and acted quickly on them. So I don't know well, what – I don't and, know what the – Urban ex- Meyer, speaking from experience, because Urban Meyer had to fight at Florida to get this glass atrium put in so they could show re- recruits the trophies. They didn't have anywhere to put all the trophies. They had these national title trophy – or national title trophy and Heisman trophies, and they had nowhere – to put them nothing cool when you just walked into the front door because there was no front door. That's like, funny. You had to go up this back at- elevator to their offices. And Meyer went nuts about this, and he had to fight for it. He had to, you know, basically, I think he tapped the donor himself. Ohio State has something very similar to that. I wonder if it's what it looks like. I've never been to Florida. Uh, uh, it, it is very similar. <laughs> very, very similar. <laughs> I didn't know that. The- That's very interesting. Yeah, he he likes glass and he likes things hanging off the ceiling. It looks very nice, and if you have a lot of trophies to put in it, that's fine. I I mean, there was a story where uh, 
there were trash cans in Ohio State's building, and he was walking around the the, the building with and looking at the trash cans, and he goes, "These are ugly trash cans. Why do we have like these plastic trash cans? How am I supposed to recruit? Statement right how am I supposed to recruit to these trash cans? And now, if you <laughs> if you walk into the Ohio State football building, they have these like stainless steel." Beautiful oh, they went, trash cans. They sprung the, for the simple human? No, 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 they no. Bed, no. They're, they're, bed, Bath & Beyond coupon for that? I don't, I don't know what it was, but they're these big trash cans that have the block O in them, and they're like pretty-looking trash cans. And it just, I don't know if a Texas, like if Tom Herman wanted a Texas trash cans, if it would be like done the next day, because Ohio State I, was remodeling their building all the time, putting in new like um, graphics and odes to old coaches and pictures and honors and Big Ten championships and TVs that are showing the Michigan game. Like, if you walk through, it's just a display of Ohio State football, and it wasn't always like that. I think it's like that at Texas now. I think when Chris Elkani became the athletic director, because he had done that for Gary Patterson at TCU, and it had really worked. And, you know, he, he basically rebuilt the stadium. He and Gary Patterson teamed up to help raise the money to help rebuild Amon G. Carter Stadium, which is one of the prettiest stadiums in college football now and they did it in the midst of a financial collapse with cash so that tells you Get it done. how important it was to make sure they they got all that done and i think it worked for them and i think he learned hey listen my football coach shouldn't have to go through seven layers he shouldn't have to fill out a form in triplicate if he needs something he should be able to come to me and say here's what i need and we can talk about it I don't think every request gets filled, but I think a lot of them do. I mean, a lot so, of the requests are just over-the-top, outlandish oh, things. a lot of them are stupid. There's no reason why a program needs a waterfall in their in their locker room. But if one program does it, then everybody else has to feel like they're doing it too. And everybody right, knows you need about, a waterfall in your training room, not your locker room. I want a waterfall on every floor of my condo. I could do that, but you know what I actually want? So Jeff Schwartz friend of the show, former Oregon Duck, former NFL offensive lineman. He has a urinal in his in his house. Yeah, I in think the he, master you, bathroom. Yeah, I think we we talked about this. Uh I want the it's, freestyle machine, remember? Oh, that's right. You get the freestyle. <laughs> well, then you need the urinal if you've got a freestyle machine. Yeah. Yeah, both. Um but the waterfall thing, it's a nice touch. Everything seems so up and I don't know who started this like outlandish um facilities like was it Oregon who had like the craziest facility ever it was Oregon and then the the interesting thing about Oregon is part of the Oregon deal was them wanting to build a facility that they didn't have to rebuild in five years like they're they made a big deal about the wood that they bought for the weight platforms and I can't it either doesn't float or doesn't sink I can't remember what makes it special but it's very special they got it from South America and the thing about Oregon that people don't understand is Phil Knight will not just write a check for whatever they want. They have to work pretty hard to raise money, a lot harder than, than say, a good SEC school or a good Big Ten school does. And so when they were building that facility, they wanted it to last. And that's a lot of the reason why they bought some of the stuff that looks so fancy is because it will last them. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I just feel like when we first started seeing videos of that facility for the first time, whenever it was built five, ten years ago, I don't know when it was, but it was in the internet era. I just remember people thinking, this is the most incredible facility I've ever seen. And I, then when, I when, think it was Oklahoma State, Boone helping. The, the 
I remember covering the Oklahoma State Georgia game in 2009, and they took us into the the team meeting room to do Mike Gundy's press conference afterward. And I just remember thinking, this is the softest leather I have ever felt in my life, and it smells so good. And that was right after Boone had just dropped a fortune on that new facility. Is this a good segue to like talking about the best facilities that you've seen? I don't know. People are obsessed with this stuff. I was very blown away by Kentucky's. They've got Kentucky's a really, really, really nice. good facility. Uh, Indiana's is nice. You know what's really, I think, is is pretty cool and really fits into the, the whole motif there is Kansas State's. They just built one, and it, it, it really it blends into the, the whole limestone look mm-hmm. and everything, but it's very functional and has everything you could possibly need. But, yeah, I, I, think, I think a lot of these schools have spent that money. That's what I – you know, Florida – is still trying to get that thing built. Florida State is still trying to build a dedicated football building. Can I go on my uh, five-minute rant about how Arizona State practices in a bubble and doesn't have an indoor facility in Phoenix? Or should we just like, I like how important is the bubble? Who? How can you recruit to a bubble in the desert? (laughs) It's like, isn't that step one of any athletic director at Arizona State? Get a. the, the, one t- uh, the t-shirt's going to say on, on the front, how can you recruit to a bubble in the desert? Yeah. And on the back, it's going to say, I can't recruit to these I trash can't cans. can't recruit to these trash Urban cans. I, what? It's supposed to be an oasis from the desert. You have water. Have you seen some of these nice new houses they're building out on the West Coast and in Las Vegas where the pool, you know, the entire back door of the house, you can like slide the doors open and it goes right into the backyard so it's like an indoor-outdoor thing? Some of these places now have the pool streaming through the living room as like a water effect in the house and, and if i were like arizona state's athletic director i would take every last dime that was feasibly possible and create the nicest coolest oasis for any sort of heat escape in that football building indoor pool hot tubs waterfalls tvs everywhere you know do the oregon thing well, do it in tempe and and start winning games like what are we you doing know, you, you know what that sound you hear is ari that is danny white the ucf athletic director <laughs> nodding because you know what danny white is building do it danny white is building a lazy river for his athletes yeah a giant lazy river that will run do it around the athletic complex how is there no lazy river in tempe i i think everything in tempe i think the city of tempe should build a lazy river around the town yeah yeah I mean, there's an In-N-Out Burger right by the stadium, so we're already halfway also the there. Chuck box. Yeah, we're already halfway there. So, um, but I, the facility thing is a very interesting dynamic, and schools have had issues with it, and schools have have uh, spent a lot of money. And I'd be curious too. That maybe another good idea how how recruiting rankings were adjusted five years after the renovation or the building of a football building. I yeah, think would did, be an interesting. Did it actually story. pay off for you? Because I'm starting to wonder if if it does, because look, Alabama's is nice. They got they got training room waterfalls, but it's more of here's what we need and 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 here's what we have, and not anything extremely over the top. I think it's one of those things where a recruit won't go to a school because they have one, but they might not if they don't. Hmm. Okay. I, I I think that. Especially if you're like at Arizona State for a visit, to use this as an example, and it's 105 degrees outside, and then you're walking through the facilities, and then you're going, going to that bubble. Where's the lazy river, guys? Yeah, where's where's the air conditioning? And which is the prevailing thought of anybody who's spent any amount of time in Phoenix uh, nine months out of the year? 
in the fact that there's no reprieve from it or no nice oasis away from it, I think is a very big turnoff for a school that by all accounts has the financial means to build one, has the student body to support it and has a good enough team, I think, to compete for a Pac-12 title if they if they invest in the resources. And that's the number one thing. And that brings us all right back around to the Texas conversation is do you have a um, administration, do you have an athletic director that is willing to invest in you and your program to give you the things that you need in order to succeed? And maybe Arizona State doesn't have one of those, and that's why it's a problem for Herm Edwards to close on some of the players that grew up in the heat. Um, super complex stuff, but... All these great places have facilities. I mean, Kentucky isn't isn't viewed as a top five team in the SEC, but they have a very beautiful facility. So I don't know if that is the reason they are recruiting a little bit better or being able to get guys away from Ohio or whatever it is that they're doing. But like, if they didn't have it, then what do you even sell? Sometimes that that's like the number one selling point, right? I mean, I, I think well, it's yeah. a square one. Now, one thing Kentucky's selling is is being in the SEC, and let's. Let's yeah, use that to segue to, to talking about some of the numbers this week. Because Please. Kentucky is a six-point favorite at home against Ole Miss. And I think this is an interesting one because I, I saw Kentucky against Auburn last week. I thought Kentucky looked very good. I thought there were some mistakes, uh, fumbles, that sort of thing. They could clean up and beat almost anybody in the SEC. Ole Miss, defensively, not very good. Offensively? Pretty impressive against Florida. They, they did score 35 points. Now, Florida was down some starters, but uh, Matt Corral looked good. Uh, Elijah Moore looked good. Drummond looked good. They, they've definitely got weapons at Ole Miss. Oh. So do you think that we've seen all Ole Miss can do? Because it, it didn't feel like we saw a whole lot of John Rice Plumley, And that's like another offense that they can trot out that people haven't even seen yet. Yeah, I well, first of all, let me ask you. Last week, I was adamant that you should take two scores if you were Kentucky against Auburn, and you went to the game. Was that the right read? You think, or do you think it was just wrong? Well, listen, Kentucky did score a touchdown before halftime and and got jobbed out of it. So at the very least, that game should have been twenty nine twenty, and and maybe the complexion of that because if if Kentucky gets that touchdown, they they go into the half up fifteen to eight. Yeah. So. I think I think Kentucky played Auburn pretty close. I, you know, it's it, there's a fumble on the thirty. There's a miscommunication where they ended up running a, a fake punt on their own thirty when they should have just punted. And I don't know that, that Auburn would have come down and scored had they just punted. So I, I think Kentucky's pretty solid. And, and Terry Wilson talked after the game about you know, he hadn't been hit in a while, and that fumble was was a lot of hey, you can't simulate this in practice. So. Perhaps that gets cleaned up, and if it does, I, I, I think I like Kentucky by more than six in this game. Yeah, I, I, you know the thing that I've noticed when looking through all the SEC lines? There are certain lines that are just like, not just the SEC lines, all the lines. There are lines that are just straight up begging you to take it. Like Oklahoma minus seven uh, this week against Iowa State. It's just like that is a single-digit, single-score spread on a team that maybe people are down on after what happened but last has, week. Hasn't but Iowa just, State covered the last Yeah, yeah, but it just, you know, I don't know how much I buy into these these trends of what did this team do the last three years against this team because, um, like, flukes happen all the time. But, like, even Georgia and Auburn is a weird one. That started at seven, and now it's down um, – under one score, like doesn't it just beg a, you to take Georgia, even though I wouldn't? 
Um, it's a lack of confidence in Georgia's quarterback. It's it because here's the deal: if Georgia's quarterback situation is okay, which it may be, I mean, maybe they start Stetson Bennett and their offense looks good and they are the team we thought they would be, then they probably can win that game by more than a touchdown. But if the quarterback situation is a disaster again, like it was in the first half of the Arkansas game, they could lose that game. No, so, I know. I, I My initial thought before the spread changed if in this game would be when Auburn opened at seven to buy the half point, make it two scores, and, and ride. And I don't know. I like love Auburn's offense, and I think that we joked about this last week. It's what is it? It's an, it's an even year. You made that joke. Yeah. Like, I think they're going to be really good. Bo Nix, yeah. Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, they have the tools. Well, and, and like, home field doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No fans. So having to go to Georgia and go to Tuscaloosa, the hard part of that is beating the football teams that live there. You don't have to worry about beating the crowd. Is it possible that Auburn is a dark horse to win the SEC this year, or am I already going too far? No. If they can beat Georgia, they can beat anybody. If they can beat Georgia, they can compete for a national title. Because like I was watching the first half of the Georgia game last week, and granted, Georgia actually came back to cover the spread and I think had the largest margin of victory of any SEC game after they all did. that. So I think that that's important to kind of consider that when things settled down and they got rolling again, they got rolling. But I thought to myself in the middle of the Georgia game, holy crap, Auburn's going to beat them next week. I, I did too, but then once Stetson Bennett got in and – not even during the game, but when I got a chance to go back and look after the game at what they did in the second half with Bennett, I started to kind of calm down on that. I started. We're to not like, even okay, sure if Stetson Bennett's the starter. We we don't know. It could be Dewan Mathis again, you know. And JT Daniels has been cleared, but I don't. I, I would think if you watched what happened last Saturday and your option, and and they don't feel like Daniels has played enough, and the option is Mathis or Bennett, you're taking Bennett, right? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think I am. Really? I don't know. I mean, he looked better, but it just depends the on what... offense operated better. No, no, him. I know. I know. I saw it, but I... what's First of all, what's the long-term plan at quarterback if you're Georgia right now? Is JT Daniels just going to start the minute he's healthy enough to do so? And, like, are we just trying to get through games if you're Georgia to get to the point where you can hand it off to JT and let him roll? Or are you trying to, like create and find not only the best quarterback for this year but identify the future of the program and move forward with a young guy who might have had a, a bad start and might actually be better I, well who and you that, think that's is the, the thing better about you're, you're right it could be one bad first start and then he settles in but because by all the, accounts he won the job in the in camp didn't he yeah the, the problem is you don't have an austin p game to figure that out you <laughs> You got you're playing Auburn this week. No, like, I know, I know, if, I know. If they have a first half against Auburn the way they had against Arkansas, they won't win the game. So, that's that's the problem that they that they're dealing with now. Let me let me take you to another number in the SEC that I found interesting and I it's interesting cuz you just said what you feel about historical trends. But I do think they matter. And I just wish number, I could explain why, Andy. That's the thing that bothers well, me. I, I, and that's like, it's the same thing having covered Ohio State. Like, why does Purdue continually give Ohio State a problem? It doesn't make any sense to me. There's no well, rational, yeah. there's no rational, it doesn't matter because it spans over coaching regimes and yeah. athletic directors. So why right. do certain teams give certain teams problems, I think is a, one of the great mysteries of college football. And, and this is the one, this is what I'm going to tell you right here because this, this one does that. 
This is multiple coaches, including one guy coaching the same, coaching both teams. So South <laughs> well, Carolina, I know where you're Florida. going then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Florida is an 18 point favorite against South Carolina. Do you know the last time either one of these teams beat the other by more than 18 points? I don't know. 2012. I in one of the weirdest statistical games you will ever see in your life. An 11 and two South Carolina team. Now, uh, Florida also went 11 and two that season, but an 11 and two South Carolina team had 17 first downs to Florida's 14. Um, their total yardage they they outgained Florida 191 to 183. So neither one exactly covered itself in glory offensively. Florida won the game 44 to 10. I so when scrolling through, I will admit. I don't know. Do you ever like look at the lines all at once? Because I just scroll through and look them all at once. And like the one, there's one spread that we haven't talked about yet that was a joke and has like since moved. So when I looked at these on Monday, like I always do, uh, Navy was getting points against Air Force, which had to have been a mistake. Uh, right. And like now they're seven point favorites. So that was the the game of the week. Um, but I do admit that my heart jumped a little bit when I saw South Carolina getting. Uh, three maybe four scores depending on how you look at it and well and, like and florida the, are they getting the starters back interesting on that one too it's a 50 it's 57.5 which if you saw florida's offense play last week it's it's hard not to pick the over there but you know it could be that Ole Miss's defense is that bad we just don't yeah. know yeah i mean south carolina gonna lose 40 to 10 is that what they're saying exactly that doesn't feel like anything like the the games these teams have played now if Florida can beat them forty to ten, that's a huge step forward for for the Gators because they've just had problems. Like last year, I think the the final score was was thirty eight to to twenty seven, but it was close. Uh, it was close at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It was a four point game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So, you know, it, it's one of those things that if Florida can pull this off, then that's a great sign. That just tells you that they're kind of evolving as a as a program but that's one of those i kind of need to see just because i mean gut feeling is taking the points here right yeah yeah i would i would take south carolina in in this one to cover and and florida to win yeah 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 how about this acc one north carolina minus 13 and a half against boston college that's a weird one because i don't feel like we really know much about either team yeah unc's played one game it was against syracuse they were Really sluggish offensively for three quarters, and then exploded in the fourth, and kind of looked like what we what the what we thought they'd be. But they're playing against a new coach. Uh, you know, BC's beaten the heck out of Duke, but I'm not sure what that means either. Yeah, yeah, I I, I wouldn't touch that. I just want to watch it, and I think there's a chance that North Carolina wins by a hundred. Well, and that's, that's the thing. If they play the way they did in the fourth quarter of that Syracuse game, there are going to be very few teams that can stop them. I mean, in the ACC, Notre Dame and Clemson probably the only ones that can slow them down. Maybe Miami, but Miami might just kind of score with them. Um, it's it's going to be crazy. Another one, Memphis SMU. Memphis is minus two here. And look, Memphis looked great in their season opener against Arkansas State. Arkansas State, by the way, which had more players when they played Memphis than when they played Kansas State. So, uh, but Memphis hadn't played in a while. Memphis had COVID issues. You know, they've had guys who were out of practice. SMU, you know, 
very veteran team led by Shane Bouchelle, who should be a doctor by now, and Brady White, who gets another year after this, by the way, actually is pursuing a doctorate. I'm uh, writing about SMU next week. I stopped in on a five-star, high-end, four-star prospect, uh, Preston Stone, and I'm going to write about. I wish this game wasn't happening this week because. I'm trying to like make a point, and I don't know how it's going to go, but I love the fact that it's like less than three. Um, SMU is kind of trying to build something here, and you know Shane Bouchelle, well, he gets another two years now. He gets this year and next. Yeah, he if he wants it, if he wants it. So I, I don't know. Uh, that's a really tough. I I think like gut feeling is Memphis here, just because with the over under seventy five. So what's the final score? <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about the team that everybody's talking about. We got Mississippi State. They host Arkansas. Mississippi State minus 18. Now, everybody's on board after watching the Air Raid shred LSU. It, I, the thing about it is I don't know. We, we haven't seen how everybody's going to try to defend Mike Leach. LSU played man the entire time, which history tells you that's a really bad way to defend the Air Raid. Will Arkansas not do that will Arkansas play zone do what has worked in the past against this offense or do they go rogue too well the line has moved to 17 now um so if you buy it down to 16 and a half then I I still think that like my gut feeling would be Mississippi State here I don't know I I I actually think they cover at 18 because I think Mississippi State's defense could be pretty good too yeah I I don't know how much we're reacting to Arkansas hanging tough with Georgia but I don't think that but we they should didn't forget. Really, they were That's tough what I'm for saying. a half. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. I don't think that we should forget what Arkansas is supposed to be or what they are. Now yeah. that that would be uh, definitely something that's super interesting. But you want to know what's what game I'm really looking forward to watching, and it's going to be kind of an under the radar one. But it's the Friday night game against BYU and Louisiana Tech because oh, Louisiana yeah. Tech's got a pretty solid team, and they're catching 24. And it seems like a lot, but BYU has also looked otherworldly awesome in their two games that they've played. So I don't know at, at what point you know I start buying into the BYU hype, but I think I, I might take twenty four there. Yeah, the BYU thing's hard because they they crushed a Navy team that had not hit in practice at all, and so you got to put some of that on Navy, but you don't know how much of it to put on Navy. And then they they crushed Troy, which Troy's a decent Sun Belt program, but. BYU should be better than them and and was. So, yeah, where where is BYU now? But it, BYU looks fantastic. They look fantastic. I considering we were all ready to run Kalani Sataki out of Provo not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I still think that I'm not a buyer yet completely. I think Louisiana Tech is a good enough team to hang tight, and 24 is a lot of points. Um, but if, if, if BYU comes out and covers that game, uh, I think that all of a sudden you really start to consider that this team that struggled to put together a schedule, didn't they? <laughs> like, could have a pretty oh, special yeah. season. So uh, well, they look okay, great. Let me let me throw this at you, Ari. Could BYU be the team that makes? Let's say the American eats its own. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, come on. Could BYU Feed make me. the New Year's Six? Yeah. What? Well, I'll give you another one. What if BYU goes undefeated? Why don't we throw them in the playoff here, bud? <laughs> come on, let's take it all the way with it. I mean, uh, if a, we're looking for a, a in a weird year. Yeah, I mean they they got they have the kind of size where they could stand up against those teams. I don't know speed wise if they could handle the the typical playoff teams, but yeah, you know, I'm looking they're, at they're, their schedule right now, and it doesn't look like they have any anybody 
good enough yeah, to make you think well, twice about like what you would do with them at the end if they go undefeated. Notre Dame playing an ACC schedule is what what probably killed them because if Notre Dame had wound up playing an independent schedule, they would have they would have played each other. Yeah, it would have been nice to see them play that game. Yeah, yeah. So their best game I think is Houston. But you could get BYU against you know Minnesota or Penn State in a in a New Year's Six Bowl. And that could be that could be a lot of fun. BYU is going to go undefeated, man. I I mean, if they keep playing the way they're playing, yes. Yeah, I know who stops them. I'm I'm looking at it right now. I don't I don't see anything. I, Houston, maybe. Yeah, because we don't know what Houston is. Houston hasn't played yet. Uh, if you listen to the show on Wednesday, Nicole and I said we're going to fire confetti cannons onto the field as soon as their game kicks off because they have tried to play five times and not been able to play yet, and it has not been Houston's fault once that they haven't been able to play. So, But, yeah, Houston could be pretty good. And we don't know where Houston falls in the hierarchy in the American. We need to see him play first. That might be the only shot. You're right. And I want to ask you one last one, or however many. I'll, go, I'll do this all day. But We have Cracker Talk to talk. Pittsburgh good? Yes, Pittsburgh is good. Is Pitt legit? Pitt, Pitt is legit. They are too legit to pit. I'm doing the hand signals here, which you can't see because this is a podcast. But yes, Pitt is good, and this is not. They're playing NC State this week. This will not be the game. I know Pitt has a history of losing games. They're not supposed to lose. This will not be that game. I can tell you that right now. I don't think you could ever guarantee that it won't be that game. That's the whole thing that Pitt is. I've got friends who gamble. This will not be that game, Ari. So you're guaranteeing that they're going to take care of business. I've got friends who gamble. A ton every Straight up, week. Ari, not against the spread. Okay, but Pittsburgh is a do not touch no matter what the spread is, no matter what, ever. It's like one week they could beat Clemson, and then the next week they lose to... All right, here we go. I, I don't here know we go. why. Here we go. Ari, if NC State beats Pittsburgh on next week's show, I will eat a spoonful of mayonnaise. Oh, my God. <laughs> And, and if you, you are if sure you, you want to do that? Don't mess around with bit, it, man. I'm telling you, be, you, you don't want to do that. <laughs> the show could get ugly after that, but no, no. I This is how confident I am in the Panthers who have some dudes, and Kenny Pickett's got that flow. I No. The spread's 14. Do you think they're going to cover the spread? I don't care. No, we're, I know. I'm just, I, know, I, know I know. I was just asking if you think they're going to cover. I think they should. I think they should. Because they've got I mean, some dudes on defense. Yeah, look at NC State last week against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech basically was pulling people out of the stands. They're like, oh, do, do you have a turkey leg in your hand? Finish that. We need you to play. So, And, and then they beat NC State pretty handily. So I, I get do the, think, the mayonnaise. All right. So, the brand and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, fine. Fine. fine no fine. reduced fat. I want the whole fatty, delicious goodness mayonnaise going down your th- – he's like squinting his eyes right now. I oh. think that you just wrote a check. You're not going to want to cash. Because oh, listen, if, I, if Pittsburgh wins, I, I I'd be happy for you. I don't want you to eat the mayonnaise if you don't want to eat it. All I know is I've been around the block with this team so many times, and you never know what you're going to get. I'm going to be texting Pat Narduzzi right after this and saying, "Yeah, you tell him." I'm not going to tell you why, but you have to win this game. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna think that like some bookie's out to break my legs. No, 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 it's just mayonnaise. You can bet five hundred and ninety dollars that uh, Pitt wins and to win a hundred. Which is why I feel very confident that I will not have to eat mayonnaise. Would you rather eat mayonnaise or lose $590? Eh, 
it is a pandemic, you know. <laughs> the money's not flowing as freely, so maybe I have to eat the mayonnaise. Well, you can make the money too, since you're so confident. That's true. That's true. No, I, I feel good about Pitt, and so I will. I will do it. I'm not as con- I'm not confident enough to say they're going to cover the spread because I'm not crazy. I have watched Pitt play over the okay. last few just, years. That's a pretty high stakes for you. That's all I'm saying. Like you, uh, you kind of. You weren't messing around when you wanted to make that point, and I'm just wondering because I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to sit on well, this Zoom call and I'm going to stare at you while you eat that. If you if they we lose. just may have to have a, a, a Mayo bet game every once in a while when it when it comes up when I feel very strongly about something, I make a Mayo bet. I got to figure out what like I don't have a food that triggers me like that. There's nothing that like I can't put in my mouth that would like make me gag if it's like a normally consumed food i'm not that picky of an eater i'm trying to think yeah, of like mayo what my... and raw onions for me not together but obviously together would be horrendous but you don't like raw onions on your hamburger no god no oh wow i think they're the cooked amazing. onions I, I i can eat those fine i think raw onions are the best burger topping outside of cheese <laughs> <laughs> no you must really not like in and out burger because they put a whole raw onion on there well i asked for them to not no i know but they don't <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, I bet. Okay, are we exactly. getting to the are we getting to the meat now or what? Come on, if we'd the like meat, <laughs> there's no meat here. There's only crackers. Yes, it is time for the random ranking. And Ari, I, I realize I've made a couple songs for Nicole's segments. We need our we need random ranking music. So next week, I will have a random ranking theme song. That is my vow to you. Okay, unless I am just preparing myself for paying off the mayonnaise bet, and then. We're going to have to wait a Every weeks. time you have a random ranking with somebody else on the show, I get jealous, just so you know. It's my favorite thing. Well, and, and I'm tempted to break this off because, you know, everything's about branding. A non-sports podcast just called The Random Ranking, where we randomly rank things. Can I be the co-host permanently? Uh, sure, if you want to. Okay. We could have guests. We could bring in experts in the, in the field. <laughs> in the field? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're doing a rom-com like, one with Nicole, and I was like, man, I want to do the rom-com one. Well, you can come on the show. <laughs> I, I, you'll ask her. I don't want to steal your oh, guys' thunder. We could, we could definitely. We could definitely. In fact, I think that that sounds like the, the setup to a rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, no, we can definitely do that. Okay, All right. well, we'll but see. Very Let's important, get to the important stuff. Earlier this week, Ari texted me and said, I have something I want to rank. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what is this? I want to rank crackers. And I thought, yep, that sounds about right. Ari loves his snack foods and has very passionate opinions about them. And let's be honest, so do I. So this sounds incredibly boring because crackers typically are just a vessel for something else. Crackers are to put something on and eat, and they are more of a delivery method than anything else. But I've got little kids. They eat crackers all the time, just as snacks. Ari is a little kid mm-hmm. and eats crackers all the time. I love crackers. Just as snacks. So let's do it. Top five crackers, Ari, number five for you. Okay, saltine crackers. Uh, I just think that they are the most versatile. You can use them when you're sick. You can put them in your soup. They replace oyster crackers at times and now i'm kicking myself because oyster crackers aren't on my list and i, I could eat so those out of the box saltines and oysters are they were, the same honorable mentions for me yeah okay. they, were, they were honorable mentions because uh, look if you got soup got some it's uh, you can uh, put peanut butter on them cheese yeah, they're very versatile if it's not a good chili if it's like a panera bread type chili 
you're going to crunch up some crackers in there. Yeah. You just need to fatten it up, thicken I, it up a little bit. I don't know if they're not the best tasting ones, but they are. They have to be included on my list because of the versatility. Well, they're, they're um, so good at serving the intended purpose. And they're, they're the three-star prospect that turns out to be a draft pick to me. They don't have all the tools, but when you need them, they're there. You know, I, I think Saltines just has to be represented, which is why I put them at five. All right, so the, the, they were in my honorable mentions. Also in my honorable mentions were Wheat Thins. Number five, Goldfish. If you, if you are a parent, there has been a time when Goldfish Crackers have saved your sanity. When nothing could, else was going right, when nothing could stop the crying and the screaming and the throwing of things, Goldfish Crackers made it all go away. So God bless you, Goldfish Crackers. You're not the first thing I'd reach for if I'm looking for a cracker, but I owe you, and you belong on this list. Yeah. I, your rankings in food have definitely taken a turn since you became a parent, I feel like. No question. No question, because it, you, you learn – there's a lot of utilitarian <laughs> – a lot of utilitarianism in it, because – or you just have these emotional connections. Like, for me, goldfish crackers, again, a thing that can stop a screaming, crying jag – is the best thing in the world and that's what goldfish crackers are you also can use gold goldfish and i know this is going to sound weird but i've done this before and put it in chili because it's oh, got yeah, a cheesy like the cheddar the cheddar goldfish yeah 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 chili. right um okay my number four rye triscuit so uh, if you um are catching on to how i'm doing this i'm not just throwing out the generic brand names of things i'm going right for specific crackers and I love Triscuit crackers. I love putting cheese on them. I love putting peanut butter on them. But the rye Triscuits, you can also eat by themselves. And I just find them to be very flavorful and very good. And I like the texture of rye crackers. They're so the Triscuit I am crackers. not going as specific, but my number four is Triscuit. And I actually would just pick the, tra- the plain Triscuits. Mm-mm. I will eat the plain Triscuits one after the They're other. They're all good. The other. They're all good. But the rosemary uh, olive oil ones. The rosemary and, olive oil ones are, are excellent. I, and, I do like those. But I'm but a the sucker. Plain ones, uh, they, they really just hit. They, they hit the right way. That well, they hit in the way that a snack food is supposed to hit. Where it's like this is kind of good. Let me have another one and say, oh yeah, that, that might be even better. Let me have another one. It's it it is a. Then the box is gone. Then yeah, the, perfectly yeah. designed snack food. Yeah. What is your number three? My number three are the cheese and peanut butter sandwich crackers most notably known as the keebler ones but the lance ones or the austin ones you know what i'm talking about the ones that come in a pack of six toasted yeah because they're also my number three (laughs) but mine is lance lance cracker sandwiches so it could be the toast chi which is your toasted toasted cracker with cheese in it it could be the captain's wafer which has the the cream cheese in it yeah so i mean you put all of lifesavers if you if you can use all three of the the flavors and put it as one then it's like that might move it up on my list i wanted to be specific but if you're if we were doing versatility then add them all to my list because i love them all too i just like the peanut butter ones the best yeah. but i also the, really the like Lan- the ones the with lance cheese. ones are just outstanding because that's yeah that's a meal replacement if you need it in yeah. a pinch you can you can make a meal out of those i feel like we're we are agreeing too much for my liking today this i was is not good i was i, I was I hoping that we'd be like fighting and we're I thought we'd be yelling like those two guys in Houston. Just do the show. <laughs> okay, ready for my two? Yep. Cheese it reduced fat ones. And that's going to sound why reduced fat? Because 
They, um, and trust me, I'm not somebody who wants to reduce the fat in anything, but they are crispier. They are less greasy. And I think they taste really good. And I don't know why, but like there are certain things like low fat, um, Pringles and baked Lay's or low fat chips. I also like better than the regular ones because they're not quite as overpowering and like your hands don't get greasy. And I just think they taste crisper, cleaner, and are, are, are just better tasting and crispier sometimes. So I don't know if I'm crazy about the reduced fat thing. I don't know if you've ever had reduced fat Pringles, but like, I think those taste better than regular Pringles. See, I, I think they taste like cardboard. The the baked lays and the reduced fat Pringles. I love baked lays. I no, like baked. Thank you. I like the baked Tostitos. I like all those. Yeah. I don't know what my no. and I'm okay being weird, but I hope there's people out there that can that feel me on that because it, it is those suckers in oil. Now, so I have the full full powered Cheez Its are mine, and the 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 bacon ones probably my favorite flavor. But I'll take most of the flavors. They they they've got a lot, and then. The cheese it bowl when they dumped the bowl of cheese it's didn't they dump a bowl of cheese on Gary Patterson? Yes. Or did I imagine that? Did I, I think so. That? No, I think I mean I remember seeing that too. So see, I would have loved that. That the cheese it bath would maybe be my favorite sports celebration bath. I don't mean to take this a different way, but have you ever eaten the cheese it thing that they were selling at Pizza Hut? No. Did you ever see I, that? I have not. I have not. Um, it's like a. It was a cheese it, and it looked like a cheese it, but it was stuffed. It was stuffed with um, mozzarella cheese, and it was like it was like cheesy bread, but it was in a cheese it like oh, outer. You will eat anything that Pizza Hut stuffs into something else. I don't know. You know how like these these food places, um, they come up with all these same things, and they just like call it different stuff. Like McDonald's just released spicy nuggets, or. Pizza Hut has the different type of pizza. I like always fall into the trap of like trying the gimmicks because I it's always okay. trying the gimmicks fine. I mean, I, I don't. I think you should like. I thought when when Taco Bell came out with the the Doritos taco shell, it was genius. It was. It was. Those are delicious. And um, I think they should actually replace their regular hard taco shells with only Dorito shells. And I know that we did our random ranking for best generic or best fast food pizza places, but the cheese it thing was actually really good. I like appetizers to my pizza, but I, I just want to point out now too, that that's three in a row that were on the same, not only the same wavelength, but also the same ranking. I am fairly confident. We will disagree. We are. Yeah. Cause mine right, are so kind of, me, mine are odd. Your number one. Mine are odd. My number one are the Petridge Farm Golden Butter Crackers that are shaped like butterflies. I don't know if you've ever had those before, <laughs> but like I, I just I, I don't eat them. I just inject them. Like they are so good, and it's like not something that I buy ever. But sometimes you'll have them out on Thanksgiving, or um, it's a good like hosting snack. You can put some cheese on it, but the butter crackers are just delicious, and they're very similar to the Keebler Club crackers in the, in the way that they they taste, and those made my honorable mention and i don't know if i'm allowed to um reveal all my honorable mentions now that i've been there but my honorable mentions are the keebler club crackers the ones that you see at the salad bar um honey made graham crackers because graham crackers are legit um the reese the ritz bites with the cheese that are very similar to the to the peanut butter sandwiches the the ritz cheese sandwiches um wheat thins were on my um honorable mention though i do think they're kind of overrated and then there's one thing that I wasn't sure counted that I'm very interested in hearing. They have these um, snack factory pretzel crisps. Have you seen these? They're like um, 
they're pretty popular. They're in gas stations, and um, they're like basically um, a thin cracker, but they're um, made in pretzel flavors, and they have like pizza flavored, and or I mean, not, or they have everything flavored, like garlic, um, cheddar cheese, buffalo wing. They're just like little crackers that are shaped like pretzels. I didn't know if they counted, but they're really, really good. I don't know. I have to review that because it, it does sound. You don't know what I'm talking about? It sounds about? pretty. Pre- yeah, I, I I do. I've seen them in the store. It sounds pretty pretzely, but you're right. They're not pretzel material. Yeah, it's not pretzel material. They're not but made it, of sourdough. Right, right. And like when I typed in crackers to make sure I didn't forget anything, they came up, and I really like them. But I didn't put it on my list because I wasn't sure if they counted. Well, mine is my number one is is may sound basic. It's more like that four star that everybody knows can play who also has a great work ethic, mm-hmm. who just gets everything done and becomes a great, great player once he's in college, Ritz Crackers. Yeah, I knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ritz Crackers. And, and here's the thing. And the reason Ritz is number one is Ritz is the best with cheese on it, the best with peanut butter on it, the best with a pepperoni on it. Whatever, you, whatever you're trying to convey, Ritz will get it there. But Ritz also is delicious on its own. Ritz is one of those that you can just eat and eat and eat and you'll eat one and and the next one's just easier and the third one's easier than that and the fourth one's easier than that. So uh, that's that's why Ritz is number one for me. I feel like Ritz are maybe a more tasty version of saltines because they're so versatile and I understand that they are. They're much. They're a buttery saltine essentially. Is what they are, and their shape is more pleasing. But do you ever put Ritz in other things like chili, or do you ever put them in soup? Do people do that? No. Because the reason I, why no, I didn't I, pick them over saltine is because I, I think that like by itself, if you're eating a Ritz cracker, it tastes better than a, a saltine by it, itself, okay. but it doesn't serve the same you're, purpose you're as a saltine. Some, let's say you're squirting some squeezy cheese on it, and you have a choice between a Ritz and a saltine to squirt your squeezy cheese on. You're taking the Ritz 10 times out of 10. I know, but how come you don't put your Ritz into chili then? Because it doesn't go that well with chili. Although I actually, you know what? If you cr- if you crushed up some Ritz and chili, I bet it'd be pretty good. Yeah, I I just feel like I'm not arguing with which one tastes better on its own. Or it's, it's less of a blank canvas. Yeah, it's more of a complimentary yeah. canvas. I think that is is the reason, and it's also the reason why you can eat them on their own as opposed to a saltine, where nobody eats a saltine by itself. I wouldn't on say purpose. nobody. I would. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I uh yeah, I think there's nothing more nothing that gets a, like a late night snack or a, a a hunger pinch more than a nice dollop of peanut butter on top of a saltine cracker. And I think I would take a saltine cracker over a Ritz cracker with peanut butter as the complimentary piece. That is wrong, Ari. That's absolutely <laughs> wrong. I try to feel like you I'm know, trying to start a fight here, man. I try to value your opinion. <laughs> And I try to, to respect it, and but that's just wrong. I just feel like if you if you had a saltine and a Ritz and a jar of peanut butter, you would never pick the saltine. If you never, if saltines disappeared from the face of the earth and Ritz crackers disappeared from the face of the earth, humanity would be worse off that saltines are gone than Ritz were gone. Because there's that's other there's true. other there's other crackers on the lists that fulfill the same type of thing that the Ritz does, but are better than the Ritz, but they also Club aren't as crackers versatile. fill the same void as saltines. No, I know. But, like, if you got rid of club crackers, you would still have, have saltines. saltines right, but you also... It's the same thing with Ritz. If you get rid of Ritz, then you have club crackers. They are all in the same family. And yeah, Ritz is better, though. But the only thing that 
doesn't happen is that saltines are on everything. So I, it was a respect thing for me. Because I think that club crackers by themselves are better than saltines, but saltines made my list and club crackers didn't. I don't know if I can talk to you anymore. But I'm going to have to next Friday because there is a mayo bet. Pittsburgh Panthers, I believe in you. I am trusting you to not screw this up. You are playing NC State. I do not care if you cover the spread. I'm sure there are people in Las Vegas and in states where gambling is legal that care very deeply whether you cover the spread. I don't. I just need you to win. I do not want to eat a mouthful of mayonnaise and then attempt to podcast afterward because it could be pretty ugly. Yeah, I, I kind of want to come up with another um, bet maybe the following week when we go through the spreads a week from today. Um We'll we'll come up with, if if there's something I feel very strongly in saltine about saltine crackers, but I need to come up with something that I would eat that I don't want to eat to make it fair. Yeah, well, we could put mayo on a saltine cracker for me. I would um, I would smash that regularly. I, well, the thing is, I think the saltine <laughs> would make it make it possible for me to get it down. So we can't have that. We're, we're straight spoonful of mayo if if all this goes awry for the Pit Panthers. Thank you guys for listening. Please download subscribe rate review and also please subscribe to the athletic that's where ari and i work that's that's who pays the bills uh the best sports writing on the planet the most complete college football coverage you will get anywhere and right now one dollar a month for your first year 12 bucks for the whole year for more sports writing than you could shake a stick at go to theathletic.com slash andy staples if you want to subscribe that's theathletic.com slash A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S and get it for $12 for the first year, $1 per month. You're never going to beat that price. And I will talk to you right after the games on Saturday and I'm guessing we'll have some more earth-shattering results to, to discuss just like we did last Saturday. It's going to be a fun season, I promise. We'll talk to you later.